as we get into the life of John the Baptist, what we're going to get into today was his life was extremely unique. So let me just share briefly what that word means, unique. Unique is existing as one or as sole example, single, solitary in type, having no one like or equal, unparalleled, incomparable, unique. We've all been called to be unique. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and all throughout life we have been inspired by men and women and kids who are unique, who stand alone, unparalleled. And so, Lord, you have called all of us to be unique. And we thank you for John the Baptist. We thank you for his example. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Unique. The only word that I think comes close is actually in the King James Version. Maybe some of you have got a King James Version right now. And it comes from 1 Peter 2.9. It says, you are a chosen race. You are a peculiar people. We are called to be unique and peculiar. Now, when you think of the word unique, what do you usually think of? What do you usually think of? Most of us, it usually is not a positive thing. For example, uh, it's been the first time in years I spent uh, some time over at the county fair, and I will tell you there are some unique people at the county fair. <laughs> now, when I say that, you go, mm, is that negative or is that positive? But I tell you, we are all striving to be peculiar people in Jesus Christ. When you look at the life of John the Baptist, you got to understand something. He was unique. Matter of fact, here's what's interesting. If I were to have you just shout out men and women throughout Scripture who were great, what are some of the names that would surface? Well, I think you'd hear names like Abraham and Joseph and Sarah and Esther and Moses and David. I think you'd hear some of the prophets' names. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 11. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John. Now think about that. Jesus looks out over the entire Old Testament. He looks at those that he knows are coming. And he said, of all those born of women, this is the greatest. So I think for three weeks, it's important that we look at John the Baptist and what we can learn from him. Because Jesus said this was a great individual. And here's why he was so unique. Number one, his birth was unique. Turn over to Luke chapter 1, and you're going to read an amazing story in Luke chapter 1, and it's the roots of John the Baptist's life. And let's just start in verse 5. In the time of Herod the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Now let me just pause there and give you just a little bit of historical background, because this is really important. Zechariah was called to go to the temple. He was called to go to the temple, interestingly enough, with a whole group. Matter of fact, there was a clan, and they would break these clans up. There were 24 of these groups of priests all over. Matter of fact, unbelievably, I did some research. In that day, there were 18,000 priests throughout that entire area, and they were called to the temple twice a year. So if your clan was called to go to the temple twice a year, that was a big day. That was a huge day. 
And Zechariah, old in age, was making his track to the temple. And my guess is he may have been thinking, this may be the last time that I have the privilege of going to the temple. And when he gets to the temple, something amazing happens. With all of the priests out there, they would actually, as they all came in, they would throw lots. And they would allow a priest then to do some of the most incredible things within the temple. And one of those things was actually carrying the incense. If you remember in the temple, that represented the prayers of the people. And his name was drawn. Now, once again, you got to only imagine you're on your way to the temple. You only go twice a year. You're old in age, and now your name has been drawn. And by the way, if your name was drawn, you were not allowed to do that again. You only got that one time in your life. You have to know that at that moment, Zechariah was thinking, this is probably going to be the best day of my life. When you think so, you're an elderly priest, you're in the temple, now you're with the incense, they've drawn your name, and yet this is what God does. And I imagine he's done this in your life. Just when you think it couldn't get any better, just when life is as surprising as it could possibly be, God shows up. I heard somebody say this about God. They said, sometimes God shows up and sometimes God shows off. Have you ever had those moments when he didn't just show up, he is showing off? And this is one of those moments. Zechariah's inside, the rest of his group's gone outside, he's wrapping everything up in the temple, and in his mind, you got to know he's thinking, it can't get any better than this, and then it gets better. We know that what happens next is amazing. Look at verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar with the incense, and Zechariah saw him, and he was startled and gripped with fear. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear to you a son and give him the name, what? John. And he will be joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. And he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Spirit. Many of people of Israel will be brought back to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts and the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now here's what happens next. This is one of those verses that is actually a really funny verse because I want you to see what unfolds here. This is one of those where Zechariah is being politically correct and a man of wisdom. You notice he looked straight in the eyes of Gabriel, which took a lot of nerve, and he said, how can this be? I am an old man. I mean, how can I have a baby? I'm an old man. But notice how he describes his wife. And my wife, well, she's along in years, okay? Pretty smart guy right here, okay? And I love verse 19. The angel simply said what? I am Gabriel. Okay, back up and think about the question. You're in the presence of Gabriel. This is kind of a big deal, okay? To quote Anchorman, I'm kind of a big deal. I mean, Gabriel is right there, and he's staring him down, and Zechariah has the audacity after he goes through this amazing triumphal announcement. You are going to have a child. You're going to have this amazing child. His name is John, and the, the world is going to come to this guy, and he's 
preparing them for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. You would just think he'd be going crazy, and he's like, ah, how's this going to happen? How in the world? Do you know I'm old? And by the way, my wife, she is really old. How can this possibly be? And I love the answer. You don't get it. I am what? Gabriel, if I sent you here, and I'm right in front of you, if God sent me, you got to know something. This is a big deal. This is not a God's asking you for suggestions. God's asking you for permission. No, this is already done. And here's the best part of it. I love Gabriel's response. But since you're having such a hard time with this conversation, why don't you just think about it? And you're not even going to speak until you speak out the name John. Now think about that. Remember when you were a kid and you got in trouble and maybe you were sent to the corner and your mom or your dad would say, now when you're in that corner, I want you to what? I want you to think about what you did. I can remember my mom sticking me in the corner. I want you to think about what you did. And you know what I thought about? How I could escape. You know, that's really what we were thinking about. But not Zechariah. I truly believe he is just wiped out by the fact that he's been in the presence of God Almighty through the messenger, Gabriel. Now, i got to tell you something. Birth is unique. God does amazing things through birth. I am partial, i got to be honest with you, with the name uh, John. Um, I probably shared with you uh, my mom, my story. It's a kind of a strange story. Um, I am the youngest of seven, and I checked on this again last night, and my oldest sibling is 79. Okay, so you get the drift. I'm a strange person, okay? And I always say I was a blessing from God, and the rest of my family's like, no, nah, I don't think so. Okay, but I, I think I was. But a few years ago, I was visiting my brother, and uh, his name is Vern, and uh, out of the blue, he said, do you know how you got your name? And I said, yeah, I just assumed, the youngest of seven, that they just ran out of options. I mean, let's be honest, John Lee, that's about as vanilla as it gets. He said, oh, no, 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 I'm surprised mom didn't tell you this, but he said, I was in the army. First of all, when they, they called and told me that mom is having a baby and and uh, I, I said some things that really weren't Christian. That's what he said. But he said, I, then I got kind of excited. And he says, when you were born, he said, Dad, call me. And he said, um, Vern, we're so excited. We have this huge baby boy. I was, if you can believe this, 9 pounds, 14 ounces. I was a memory. Okay, so <laughs> my brother said, have you got a name? My dad said, oh, absolutely. We're going to name him John. And he said, well, Dad, why did you name him John? He said, well, first of all, my favorite St. Louis Cardinal is Johnny Mize. And second of all, I love John the Baptist. And between Johnny Mize and John the Baptist, I think this kid's going to be okay. So I'm partial to the name John. It's a common name, but John the Baptist is not a common person. Let me tell you something. Your birth is unique. God tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that? You may be discouraged this morning, wondering what your purpose is in life, and just the fact that you were born, God has a purpose for everybody in this room. Your birth is unique. If I was teaching a life group right now, and we were in small groups, I would love to ask the question, tell me something interesting about your birth, because there's so many interesting stories in this room, and we need to celebrate those stories. Matter of fact, there's a Wonderful little poem by a great theologian. Maybe you've heard his name, Dr. Seuss. 
And here's what he said. If we didn't have birthdays, you wouldn't be you. If you'd never been born, then what in the world would you do? And if you'd never been born, well, then where would you be? Well, you might be a fish or a toad in a tree. You might be a doorknob or a three-baked potato. You might be a bug full of hard green tomatoes. Or worse than that, well, you might be a wasn't. A wasn't has no fun at all. No, he doesn't. A wasn't just isn't. He just isn't present. But you, you are you. And now that is so pleasant. That's pretty good. We need to understand that our birth is unique and we're unique. And God loves us because of that. Here's the other thing I love about John the Baptist. His appearance was unique. His appearance. If you look at Matthew 3, 4, it simply says this. John's clothes were made of what? Camel's hair. And he had a leather belt around his waist. Doesn't that just scream Kentucky? Doesn't, I'm just, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm so, that's so, that's wrong. I'm sorry. I repent. I repent right now. Don't clap. It just, it encourages me. Okay. But here's the thing as you read this, and I, I really want you to think about this. When you read this, we get hung up on, this was a strange guy. Why would he possibly be out in the wilderness, and this is what he has? He must have just been half out of his mind. But I want you to slow down and realize that this is exactly how Elijah the prophet dressed. This was no random thing. And I love these quotes that I want to share with you. The first one was Albert Einstein. Here's what Einstein said about living. There are three rules of work or life. Out of clutter, find simplicity. From discord, find harmony. And in the middle of difficulty, find what? Opportunity. Leonardo da Vinci said that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And then I love this. It's a bumper sticker that I found. I live simply so others can simply live. I really think what you need to read and what you need to understand is his attire was extremely simple because his message was profound. He didn't have time to mess with all the things that people said would make you successful. He knew the world would come to him. That's why he wore what he wore. And he, he ate what? Wild locust and honey. Now, I got to tell you, that is the ultimate Whole30 diet, isn't it? But here's what we know. We know that he did this because, again, he was clinging to simplicity so that others would listen to his message. Let me tell you one of the most difficult things about preaching. Uh, when I was in Bible college, I really got hung up as I was uh, studying communication on things like how to... How to how to tweak your transitional sentence, how to come up with a dramatic conclusion. And I remember all of my buddies, we were talking about the same things. And you'd hear a really good story, and everybody would be like, oh, that'll preach. Let me write that down. And that's what we thought preaching was. And matter of fact, we thought that was the hardest part about preaching is trying to put all those thoughts together. But our professor was so wise, and here's what he said. Here's the most important thing you need to know about preaching is if you're plowing through God's Word and it doesn't get a hold of you, it will not get a hold of anybody else. And as I've prepared sermons and lessons for students over the years, I've noticed that what God does through his words is he convicts me. So when I preach a sermon, you got to know something. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at us. And he gets to me. Last week as I was preaching, his word got to me. And I showed those pictures. I don't know if you remember, uh, but it was from other countries. 
and those that live very simply, but yet have the joy of Christ in your life, and others that have a lot of stuff. And it's stuff can really get a hold of us. And I started on the way home, God was like, that was a fun little sermon, wasn't it, John? Why don't you start simplifying your life? I'm like, really, God? I mean, come on. I, dr- I drive a PT Cruiser, you know, on, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm a very simple guy. He's like, no, but you can start simplifying your life. You can start getting rid of some of the clutter. And I started just thinking about little things. So I started very small. My desk, um, I just, one of my drawers has things from 10 years. Do you guys have a catch-all drawer like that? I found a small child in there. It was a little embarrassing. Anyway, I started (laughs) decluttering. Then it was my car. I'm like, oh, my land. I started going through stuff in the car. And then what was embarrassing, I, look, I don't have a bunch of stuff, but I look at my closet, and there were suits, honestly. I've not worn in 15 years. And I'm like, I'm never going to wear that suit again. I'm just going to start taking those things out. So here's my challenge this week. Just pray, God, if I need to simplify my life, if I need to declutter so that I can hear you in a clear way, Lord, start working on my heart. I just want to challenge you to do the same thing, to strive towards the life of simplicity. Last of all, simple as this, John's mission was unique. In John 1, 23 is this profound verse. And if you're taking notes, write these three scriptures down and dig through these scriptures later and pray through them because here they are. John 1, 23 says, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. I love this. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Is that awesome? Malachi 3, 1. Remember what Malachi means? God's messenger. Here's God's messenger saying, there's another messenger coming, and I will send a messenger who will prepare the way before me. His mission could be described in one word, preparation. He was preparing the way for Christ and how critical it is for all of us to be prepared. Now, this week, I was, I don't know why I had this thought, but I was thinking about preparation. And there's a group of people that I feel sorry for. And there's a lot of you folks here today. How many of you here prepare the Thanksgiving meal for your family? Would you raise your hand? Okay, we need to pray for them right now. Okay, so as I was thinking about this, I thought, I wonder who's prepared a lot of Thanksgiving meals and how much preparation goes into that. So I called Mary Kramer. Mary, would you raise your hand? And Mary's going to dance right after this. Right? No. <laughs> Quickly, here's what goes into a Thanksgiving meal. Number one, estimate how many guests are coming. Number two, develop the menu and make a grocery list for all the supplies. Number three, set out all the plates and silverware. This is the ultimate multitasking, the next one. Figure out the prep time for getting every dish ready so that they all come out at the same time. That's when I'm giving up, right there. Kids, we're going to Cracker Barrel. You know what I'm saying? Here we go. (laughs) Set out the tables and the chairs according to how many people are coming. And when the food is ready, arrange the meal so that the flow of the crowd can move through easily. Wow. And I love this last one. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for guests to come. Pray a prayer of gratitude for those that are coming. And Mary, I would add one more prayer. I would pray for a nap, okay? I want you to think about that's one thing. Think of the preparation going into a large meal. 
And we know how critical preparation is because we know what life is like when we're not prepared. Do you remember those sick, anxious moments you've had in your life when you realized you weren't prepared? Do you remember showing up in school and you looked at your buddy and you said, the test is today? Do you remember that? And you realize you're not prepared? Or do you remember setting in on a job interview and you just didn't spend a lot of time prepping and about halfway through the interview you're like, I was not ready for this interview. Do you remember the times in your life that uh, you had a very important meeting and you spilt something on you, coffee or something that stains, and you thought to yourself how many times you knew you should have a change of clothes where you work in case of emergency? I knew one idiot that actually, right before church, split his suit pants playing soccer with kids in the parking lot. (laughs) What a dipstick. Okay, we all have these moments in our life that we're like, I am not prepared. Man, do you remember those moments and how sickening that is? And you know what the, the most sickening moment is? It's when these opportunities come that we can share Christ and we just don't say a thing. And it's at those moments we realize, I am not prepared. Because you never know. You never know, even if you're at a job you can't stand, you never know when there's a conversation right there and somebody's wanting to know about Christ and you weren't prepared. You never know that you may have a family member who's going through a crisis, who maybe has never mentioned God, never mentioned anything spiritual, and for whatever reason, they call you, and they're looking for comfort, and they're looking for hope. My question is, are you prepared? You never know when there's a stranger that comes your way and is seeking, seeking for the love of Christ, and they seek you out, and are you prepared? Because that's coming. And there's nothing worse than that sickening, sickening feeling of, I was not prepared. This was the entire ministry of John the Baptist. But you know what? There's a little John the Baptist in everybody here today. All of us are called to prepare a highway to God. All of us are on that crew. And he wants to know, are you prepared? So are you in the Word on a regular basis? Are you feeding on his Word? Because once you're feeding on the Word, how many times has this happened in your life? You're feeding on God's Word, and all of a sudden there's a situation that happens, and you're like, I just read that. Do you think that's a coincidence? No. And you're on your knees. You're just praying constantly. God, I just pray for your comfort, and I pray for your wisdom so that I will be ready. I guarantee this has happened to some of you. You've been in a conversation with somebody, and it turns into a spiritual conversation. And all of a sudden, you share something that's amazing. It's just so full of wisdom. And you know as good as anyone else, that's not you. You were begging the Holy Spirit to show up, and he showed up. And you ought to walk away and hit your knees and say, God, thank you that you prepared me. Are you prepared? And some of you here this morning, here's what the question really means. Are you even prepared to take the first step and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Some of you haven't even done that. And I I really, I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what questions you have. But are you prepared to say, I need a Savior? And some of you, you just need to know that we're here to pray with you because you may not feel prepared for the next day. Something is going on in your life right now, and it's so painful. 
you don't know what to do. You don't know how to take the next step. And we want to pray with you. So we're going to have a time of invitation now. And we just want to challenge anyone, if they'd like to come up, and we'll pray with you. But even just where you're at, to have a prayer of, God, help me to be prepared. So if you can lead our hearts in invitation.